everybody, it's SPO Perspectives, and I'm Jack Mitchell, along with John Brucato. And we're here to give you a great, great episode. Upcoming, you're going to hear a lot on what many school districts should be venturing into. Yeah, we have a great guest today. Um, Mike Ryan from ESG gives us a lot of great information on an energy performance contracts. So thank you, uh, Michael, for joining us on the podcast. And here's our interview with Mike Ryan. Today, we have Mike Ryan with Energy Systems Group. Energy Systems Group has been leading the energy performance contracting business for New York State School District for 15 years. They have led some high-profile projects, such as the greening of the Empire State Building. Their mission is to provide school districts with self-funded design, built turnkey projects of needed capital improvements, paid for for future guaranteed energy savings, improving the learning environment, and utilizing the projects for educating students, staff, and the public. Michael's passion is to provide solutions to the customers and exceeding their expectations. Outside of work, he loves bicycling, outdoor activities, dog training, and is a motorcycle enthusiast. Michael, welcome to the podcast. We're happy to have you. Thank you. Thank you very much for having me. Hey, Mike, how I didn't you know you like bicycles, by the way. You like bicycles? Yes, love bicycling. Yes. Wait, are you a cyclist, by the way? I, I wouldn't get I wouldn't go that far and consider oh, myself I'm, a cyclist. I'm in a club, you know. I have like I have a cannon though. I got like a twenty five. Yeah, Jack's a big cycle bike, guy. man. Listen, it's some serious stuff out there. <laughs> well, we'll have to get together. All right, we gotta see about that. All right, well, great, great. We're glad to have you on. And I see you so many times. I just recently started the cornhole last month. Yes. Uh, that was that was a great, great NASA over. Man, everybody's going to the cornhole tournament, man. You gotta I got to get down, down there. <laughs> you got to come down. It is it is a good time, good chance to catch up with people, collaborate, share ideas, and have a few, you know, a few laughs. Yeah. Good, good, good stuff. So listen, Mike, I want to get rolling into it. You know, just for our listeners out there, as you know, SBO Perspectives gives us a broad approach on just like what are the pertinent topics, you know, what are the pressing issues for us school business officials. Just, if you will, maybe tell us a little bit about yourself right? You know, what you do, I guess, and how you help schools. What do you love about what you do? I mean, I, I know you're very passionate. So just we'll kick off with that. Yeah. So, you know, well, what we do is called energy performance contracting. But what it is, is providing improvements to school districts, you know, this infrastructure and facility improvements, such as lighting and heating systems, HVAC and things like that. But we do it with a strategy of reducing energy savings, uh, and you know, energy spend, utility bill spend, and that money gets reallocated to pay for the projects. But you know, I I look at it this way: we're improving the learning environment, you know, comfort, lighting, and things like that. You know, it's it's been proven that students learn better when the environment's you know right. is yes. is better you know for them. You know, and in addition to that, we've been using these projects. This is really caught on, Jack, where we've been using these projects to educate the kids, incorporating the projects mm-hmm. with education. So you're so, kind of in, incorporating the capital improvement into the curriculum for these kids. We're teaching them about sustainability, about how mm-hmm. projects get put together. We're doing career exploration. You know, the business that we're in has kind of really just transitioned into that because it's really caught on. You know, the in the projects we do, the career exploration piece has become huge because we have everything from professionals, engineers and architects and people like that to project managers and then, you know, the trades. Right, right. So, you know, you kind of 
touched upon a few ways that districts can improve their environmental footprint with lighting and HVAC. Can you maybe give us a little bit more detail into what districts can do to kind of in, improve their energy performance and their, their carbon footprint? Yeah, you know, one of the quickest, best ways that I see districts can improve on is turn things off when not in use. You know, it sounds it sounds simple, right? So occupancy but, sensors? <laughs> yeah, you know, occupancy sensors and things like that. You know, making sure the schedules are set for the heating systems to set back when nobody is there. You know, and you know, along these lines, just turn things off or turn things down when not in use. That's probably the, the quickest return and the easiest thing to do. And and it's it's overlooked a lot. And I get it because there's a lot of priorities and and you know things to attend to, you know. And how much of a lift is that for a district to kind of dive into even something as simple, well, maybe not as simple, but what you would just describe with occupancy sensors and making sure things are turned off? I mean, I know some districts have building management systems that can do that, but what does it typically take for a district to even come close to doing something like that? Yeah, and, and you know, one of the challenges is having the resources to do it in-house, you know, and, you know, it, to automate to automate a district, is a, a you know is it's an undertaking right it's an undertaking i feel i feel you know that's a lot of what we do is automating uh, things to turn off on set back you know so so the district doesn't have to worry about trying to do it manually you know right now we, we know like we can see the climate change so we're talking about this you know we talked about this on our last episode and it's probably even more so important now than ever to really get, get green, right? Why do you think it is more important now than ever for schools really to get to go green right now? Yeah. Well, it's it's certainly important for the environment, right? We see the evidence mm -hmm. of that. In addition, though, I again back to the students. It's teaching the students, right? Practice what you preach. Right. So if they see the districts going that way. You know, it's it's definitely sending a clear message that this is important and this should be done, right? Just to be responsible for future generations. But then again, you know, there's how do we take this on? You know, how do we pay for it and everything like that? Mm -hmm. You know, there's that old saying, right? How do you eat an elephant one bite at a time, right? Oh, I chip away at it. Right. <laughs> but but you know, and that's one approach. But also, you know, by doing energy performance contracting, you know, hire a company and you know that you feel you can trust and put it in their hands mm -hmm. and, and let them do it for you. I, I yeah. I I know you undertook that in your district, Jack. We we probably did. see the results. Yeah. It's good if you get a company like that, you know, to really work it from soup to nuts that you say you could trust. Cause I mean, you know, you want to be in a situation that when it comes to it, right, as Susan's officials, we're still fiduciaries, right, for our, our um, all of our stakeholders, uh, whether it be board members, constituents, you know, within the, within the community. So I would just say that, yeah, it's great to get to have like that one-stop shop, but there's a lot of homework you got to do. I was very fortunate that when I first started here, I ran to that right away, and I knew I wanted to bring value to the district, right, because, you know, this is my job. I want to I show that worth. So I think it's important for SPOs, you know, do the homework, but yeah, get that one-stop shop so that you can really keep track of everything in one. And I mean, I would say just going through it, it was probably one of the best things to do because, you know, you see the actual energy savings and you feel good about it, right? From the perspective yeah. of you're doing good to, you know, to see the environment. 
greener now and and just you can budget i mean with things being more crunched out nowadays you want to make sure you know that there, and, there's money you know and that's one question mike i wanted to bring up is is financing and in budget you know you had mentioned that resources are so important jack you know you and i are completely on the same page when it comes to building budgets and being fiscally responsible. So I guess my, my question for you is what are you seeing trend wise with school districts? Are, are they doing standalone EPCs on their own and funding them that way? Are they layering them into much larger capital projects? What are you typically seeing these days? You know, more and more so we're seeing them blended together with a capital project where a district floats a bond, blends in an energy performance contract Okay. And the two complement each other. You know, many yeah. projects we have going right now where under a capital project, they're replacing ceilings and we're doing lighting at the same time with them, you know. Yeah, it makes uh, sense. Yeah, and things like that. And and we're also doing a lot of HVAC and ventilation. And they, they have this desire and need to add air conditioning. So we actually have a project right now where the HV, it's brand new HVAC and it's actually being split between the two projects. So it gets them all new equipment, better ventilation, and they're adding the air conditioning under their capital budget, you know. Mm -hmm. And this, this might be a little premature because we're still in a COVID environment, but are you seeing districts maybe approaching EPCs from an HVAC standpoint with like filtration and things like that? Yeah. You know, they're asking about it. We're talking about it. We're tailoring our projects to, you know, provide better ventilation, but we're still, you know, within the guidelines of SED, you know, and I think they're still sorting all of that out, you know, as far as the ventilation, should we increase the ventilation more than we require now and, and things to that nature, you know? With, you know, with more outside air, by the way, you know, there's more cost, right, to condition it. So there is a balance there. Right, right. So, Mike, with the strategy of maybe just going out with an EPC on its own, I know that districts don't necessarily have to go for a vote, but they're sacrificing 10% of their building aid. Do you typically see the districts go all out, go for a vote to maximize that aid? Or are there some districts that may choose to sacrifice 10% just to get some work done? Right. Yeah, that's a good question. So typically districts have avoided going out to public vote for a long time. Lately, we're seeing more and more districts go to vote to get that extra 10%. But, you know, districts were thinking they were going to vote to approve doing the project or not. And that's really not what they're doing. They're going to the public to vote whether the public wants that 10% aid or not. Yeah, the financing, not the work necessarily. It, yeah, positioning it as we're taking on this project, we're, we're here to vote to uh, for the public to approve going for the extra 10%. How can the public say no to that, you know? Right, I mean, it's, it's money that if the district isn't taking advantage of it, then another district in the state will, right? That's right, that's right, yeah. So when you're looking to, or rather when a district is looking to build an energy performance contract and you get called on to kind of come in, what are the first things that you kind of look at and assess to really take a, just a bird's eye view of what a potential project could look like? 
Yeah. So, I mean, we always want to understand their goals. What are their goals? What's in their five-year plan? What's keeping them up at night? Is it that they're worried boilers are going to fail? Is it, are they in need of windows and roofs and things like this? Then we look for the um, energy improvement items that will really help fund that, really save them a lot of money. And believe it or not, one of the quick quickest payback items, one of the, the low-hanging fruit, as we call it, is weatherization. You know, it's not something real glamorous to the district, but you see big gaps in doors and things like this, right? So we want to take care of all of that. You know, we're looking at that. Next, a lot of times we're looking at lighting if they have old fluorescent lighting. You know, the gym lighting that, you know, uses a lot of electric and things, you know, things like along those lines, you know. And then we, we take an approach of, of what, you know, we want to lower their energy consumption and use. And then we look to produce, right? So then we look at solar and things like that, you know, because, and, and the reason why I mentioned that, I have school districts come to us and they say, we wanna do solar. And we look at their buildings and they're really big consumers of electric. And we say, hey, let's not size the solar for the electric that you're consuming now. Let's get that used down and then let's right. put solar on, you know? Because you so, need some pretty significant I, real estate for solar panels too. So if you're energy inefficient, why would you take up all that real estate to 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 fund that? Correct. That's right. That's right. You know. And then something else that's starting to catch on now. So if you free up some of that real estate and you have more room for solar, some school districts are starting to lease once they've put enough solar for their use. They're starting to lease that extra roof space to solar providers that'll sell that electric to the community. Oh wow! And it's a, okay. It's a re yeah, it's a revenue stream, and they call that community solar. And it's a win-win. The district gets that revenue for leasing that roof space, and the community gets to buy green power at a lower rate than they're currently paying. Wow, that's great! What yeah. a great what a great idea! It is a great idea. Yeah. So you know. You had mentioned that these, these EPCs essentially, with the financing, they, they pay for themselves over time with the energy savings. Can you kind of walk us through not only the assessment of the potential savings, but how do you actually measure that and how long does it typically take to realize those savings? Because for lack of a better term, sometimes when things are seeming too good to be true, they are, but I know that this has proven time and again that there are some successes. So can you kind of walk us through what a business official and what a district can kind of expect in terms of, you know, starting with the project, getting the initial costs and how those savings are realized and how that's measured? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And that's a good point. And by the way, you know, if you're not used to the concept, it certainly could sound too good to be true. And, you know, in those cases, I just point them to other districts that have done it. But so the projects are designed. So it's, it's, they're financed, so the all of the work happens and the construction is complete. Then there's a year waiting period to make sure those savings are, you know, accumulated and verified. In other words, the money's in the bank, and then they start paying towards the project. And the payments are always less than the savings, so the projects are always cash positive. But again, you know, one of, part of your question was, how do you verify those savings how do you validate it in our yeah, industry there's 
Yeah, in our industry, there's a few methods. One one method would be, you know, measuring light fixtures before and after of what they consume and boiler efficiency. You know, I would recommend to any district though to go with the approach. So uh, another approach is just the utility bill. Let's look at the utility bill month by month before the project, month by month after, and the difference is your savings. Okay. Okay. So in, in our industry, there's really like a couple of types of ways. There's the way of measuring individual equipment and say, yep, it's more efficient and this is what we calculate you to save. And then there's the method of actually comparing utility bills. And, and that's the way I would recommend. It's foolproof, right? Right. Because, you know, and, and what I mean by that is if, if, if you if you verify a boiler is more efficient, lighting is more efficient, how do you know you're not bleeding energy somewhere else? Maybe unrelated right. to the pro- unrelated to the project, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Staff members that bring in electric heaters or things like that. By doing the utility bill analysis, you're going to say, "Well, wait, something's wrong," and it might be outside of the project, but together you're going to figure it out. You know. And you know, if if a district does run into a problem like that, where you know you have projected anticipated savings, and you're looking at your utility bills, and it's not really quite where it was supposed to be, then what? Like, are there any guarantees? Are there any protections for the district? I mean, there, I'm guessing there has to be something. Yeah, so the only way to do these projects is to have a, a guarantee for in right. case there yep. is a shortfall. I remember that. Mm-hmm. So if there is a shortfall, the company doing the project simply needs to cut a check to the district for the difference. Mm-hmm. So in other words, just hypothetical numbers, if they're if they're saying, you know, you're gonna save five hundred thousand dollars a year in utility spend and you only realize four hundred thousand dollars. They need to write a check for that other hundred thousand dollars and make the district whole. Okay. The the responsible responsible thing would be allow the company after that to say, hey, let's find the problem and fix it. Let's not just do this year after year because generally these guarantees go for about eighteen years. That's pretty standard and typical. Mm-hmm. So let's fix it and let's get the energy use down. You know. And are you seeing these guarantees met most of the time? Are there other times where you're seeing contractors have to pay out to districts? I'm, I'm sure they wouldn't want to be in that position. So I'm, I'm guessing they work pretty hard not to. They work pretty hard not to, you know, I don't think anybody could be right 100% of the time, right? So sometimes there sure. are some, some small misses. It is pretty rare, but sometimes there are small misses. Yeah, that's then- perfect. Mm-hmm. You know, and you got to dig into it and figure out why and make it, you know, and then there are other times where, believe it or not, where it goes the other way, where the, you know, they overshoot the energy savings, you know, you know, a lot, a lot of work goes into it, a lot of calculating and a lot of work, but still it's, you know, there are variables that are going to come into play. But I'm guessing if there's extra savings, the district doesn't have to pay the contractor, right? That's right. Yep, that would be a bad contract. <laughs> yeah. No, I don't think the most doesn't work that way. Districts allowing that. I think we ours, as a matter of fact, I won't name, it, but they really dug in deep and they made sure we had a lot of protections. Even when it's funny, we switched attorneys in the process of actually securing the uh, the contract, and they they were like, oh, we got to put this in here, and it was it was good to have that. Wow, so. Good stuff, Mike. It's always glad or for our listeners to have these things. And at the end, we always want to wrap up with, I guess, what's the best piece of advice you think you can give schools right now? You know, the best piece of advice is 
you know, train the staff to look out for the things they can do on their own, you know, is to me is doesn't take a lot of, you know, thought, right? Do that. Outside of that, you know, interest rates are very low. The longer you wait, the more you're just spending with the utility company, you know, don't, don't procrastinate on doing a project like this, you know, you know, proceed, you know, with, with, you know, at a pace where you're figuring everything out and you're comfortable, but don't procrastinate too long. Good stuff. I tell you, SBL perspectives, we're just so, I mean, I can't even describe it. Like we get the experts on here. They come, they answer the questions you want to know, some of the questions and answers that we didn't even know. And such a um, plethora of information is really shared. So we got to really thank you. Give it in to Michael Ryan for taking the time today and coming on. Yeah, thank you, Mike. We really appreciate your time and, you know, taking time out of your day to, to come on the podcast. And I'm sure everybody's going to get a lot out of this. So again, thank you. And I look forward to seeing you at uh, SBMW this year. Yes, Absolutely. very much so. Yes, I look forward to seeing you guys and everybody else. And, yeah. and again, thank you for doing this podcast. I, I find it very interesting and informative. Thank you. We appreciate that. Right. Thanks, Michael. All right. Thank okay. you. So here you have it. Another great episode. Another great interview. I mean, it just, it never stops. Uh, John and I were just elated each and every week to bring this to you. And uh, so with that, we're looking forward to seeing you next week. And I'm Jack Mitchell, along with John Bricado. John Bricado, And we're signing off. That's Perspectives. Thanks, Take everyone. Care.